shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be?
We approach this hour of worship meeting him and needing to turn once again toward our God in order to confess the ways we have turned away from him. Knowing that God hears our prayers and trusting in his abundant grace and deep love, let us confess our sins before him and one another. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness, in your great compassion. Cleanse us from sin. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Recast from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation, and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The scriptures tell us that the grace of God is an abundant feast spread for all people who confess their sins that the mercy of God is a deep fountain overflowing in the lives of those who trust him, and that the love of God is an ocean whose mighty waves of forgiveness pour over us. Because of this, friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. <clears throat> Let us again declare our faith in the Lord Jesus through the Apostles' Creed. Friends, what do we believe? I believe in God, our Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Every day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Let us greet one another in the spirit of Christ. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms on this bright sunny morning. We're glad you're with us. We are thankful to be under cover and to be in the midst of worship. We are gathered up by the Holy Spirit. So we believe to worship our God and we're glad that we have caught that spirit to come into this place. We 
invite you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those along to your neighbor. We hope that uh, that will be a way by which you can introduce yourself by name after the service to someone perhaps you do not know. We especially welcome you if you're visiting with us today. Glad that you can be with us. We hope that you will feel uh, the want and the desire to come back and join us in worship throughout the course of each Sunday. Also throughout the course of the week, we have incredible opportunities. We have a big chock full bulletin that you can be taking a look at, preferably not during the sermon. <laughs> a couple of things to call to your attention. We do have an annual our annual congregational meeting after our second service today, so just around 12 noon. We invite you to come back and join us here in the sanctuary as we look backward and rejoice in what God has done for us in the midst of our life together at Church of the Palms and how God's used us over this past year to bring the light of Christ into the world and also to look forward to the things that we imagine God might be up to in our lives as we go forward to carry out our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. So come and join us for that. Lots to celebrate and lots to look forward to. A couple of other things to call to your attention in the bulletin. You'll see from pages 10 through 14, page after page after page of spiritual formation opportunities, adult education classes for you to avail yourselves of to grow in your, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So we would invite you to take a look at that. There's a new class starting today. So take a, a close look at that as well on page 10, the class on Jesus, the man, the myth. And we uh, want to invite you to take a look at that as well as all the opportunities to grow in your faith. And then on pages 15 to 18 are all our mission opportunities, including an outline of our mission expo, which begins this coming week. You would uh, be invited to sign up for that. If you, uh, if you don't find a table underneath the tree because it's raining, we invite you to go into the church office and leave your name there and uh, let them know that you would like to be a part of all those opportunities that are available for you during our Mission Expo, beginning as early as this Wednesday, continuing through the weekend. And lastly, a little shout out to Claire Mater, a member of our church who I think is probably worshiping with us on TV right now. She turns 101 this week, so yay, Claire. You may wish to drop her card and let her know that you're so proud of her for living so long. Let's continue our worship.
One of the most amazing things about Church of the Palms is the incredible heart for mission that beats here and the long-term partnerships uh, we form with those who serve Christ right here in our own community, outside of our church family, uh, around the state and the nation, and then even across the globe. And one of those mission partnerships uh, began over 15 years ago when Dr. Doug and Maxine Perry felt God's call uh, to Honduras to go and establish an eye clinic to serve the poor of that Central American nation that is the third poorest in our hemisphere. And uh, since that beginning, the eye clinic in Honduras, the Center for Christian uh, Services for Humanity in, uh, in Honduras has served well over 100,000 people and has performed more than 10,000 surgeries, has literally restored sight to the blind as Jesus did in his ministry. And in this more recent decade, we have supplemented that mission partnership with the eye clinic by sending teams, short-term mission teams of people from our congregation to serve uh, in the eye clinic and in ministries that extend out from the eye clinic to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people of Honduras. And so this morning, as we prepare to send two uh, more teams to, the, to that country, we have the opportunity to uh, commission them and, and pray for them and to celebrate this mission partnership that God has led us into. So if I could invite our mission teams to come and uh, join me here on the chancel steps. Our first mission team will be leaving this coming Saturday and will be working with an orphanage in a community called La Colorada where there are 38 beautiful children ranging in age from less than a year to about 15 years old. And they are beautifully cared for by uh, two wonderful uh, people who consider themselves parents, not administrators of an orphanage, but parents of uh, 38 Honduran children, Jacob and uh, Melanie Cherian. So uh, the second team will leave the following Saturday, February the 8th, and we will be uh, leading a Bible school in a community in El Progreso, uh, very near to uh, the eye clinic. And so what I would ask, we'll, we'll pray for this team this morning, and I, will, I have the privilege of being a part of the, the second team that will be going to, to do Vacation Bible School, but would ask that we as a church family commit uh, to remembering our short-term missionaries in prayer, to lifting them up as, a, as we go to serve our Lord Jesus Christ among the people of Honduras. So let us pray together, and we will close by uh, expressing our common purpose in praying the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your work in our midst as a family of faith, for the way that we are going about this important mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ, for the many ways that happens right here on our church campus, and for the many other ways that you extend us out to serve you in other parts of our community and through mission partnerships in this community and in other parts of our state and around the country and even around the world. Lord, we thank you for faithful servants like Doug and Maxine Perry who listened and responded to your call like Dale and Marianne Valrath, who were willing to take a step out and explore what it was that was going on through this eye clinic in Honduras and discovered that you were at work in powerful ways, bringing sight to the blind and helping people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we pray for these mission teams this year. We pray for our hosts who will be working very hard as they seek to uh, serve us while we serve their Honduran brothers and sisters. We pray for 
Jacob and Melanie. We pray for Franklin. We pray for Melvin and the staff at the eye clinic. We pray for these missionaries. Give us your strength. Give us your wisdom. Give us your compassion and your grace so that the work of our hands, the words of our mouths, even if we don't understand words that are spoken to us in another language, the words of our mouths will be pleasing to you and a blessing to those whom we serve. And so we come before you united in purpose, not only as a mission team, but as a family of faith, praying the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as the mission team returns to their seats, I invite the ushers to come forward as we continue our worship, presenting to God our morning tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. O most merciful and gracious God, from whose open hand we all have received much, we ask you to accept this offering of your people. Remember in your love those who have brought it. Remember also those persons and purposes for which it is given. So follow this sacrifice with your blessing, that it may promote peace and goodwill, help those who are in need, and advance the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And now we invite Laurie and the children to come forward. So kids, as you come, let's come sit over here so we can have a front row seat for the baptism. We're going to come right over here on these steps. Perfect. Come on over. How are you doing? Right over here. We always delight in the occasion and opportunity to baptize our children. The body of Christ gathers on Sunday mornings and we gather up with a family here who brings their second child. Reese was baptized not too long ago and now Brady is before us to be baptized into the covenant family, into the body of Christ. Baptism in the Presbyterian tradition is a way by which we bring our children forward to be children of the covenant, to be claimed by the people of God as God claims all of our children in his love and grace. And so we're grateful to have Allison and Patrick and their little boy Brady before us today to be baptized and we rejoice in the opportunity we have to make our own covenant promises to reach out in the name of Christ to this family and especially to this little boy as he claims uh, and knows of God's love through our life together as the people of faith. And so to that end, I'd like to ask Allison and Patrick you these questions as you bring little Brady before us to be baptized. Do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your child's behalf and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation as you do your own? And do you now unreservedly promise and humble reliance upon God's grace to set before Brady an example of the new life in Christ? And do you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their child so that in due time he may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you? We do. And will you endeavor by your example and fellowship to strengthen his ties with the household of God? Will you? Let us pray. We thank you, O oh God, that you are a God who is the one who made the first move toward us, that you reach out and claim us as your people, as your children. And we thank you that in this moment of baptism through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you once again reach out and claim one of our own. And we pray, O oh Lord, that in this moment, we will sense the presence of your Spirit and the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that we may claim all of us to be your children, for we ask it in Christ's name, amen. Looking guy, isn't he, huh? <laughs> you know, you were this small one. <laughs> and you got baptized a lot of you to be claimed children of God. And isn't that great to know that we're all a part of God's family, all of his grace? We rejoice in that. And we give thanks. And we have glory here. We have the 
So on behalf of Family Ministry, we want to officially welcome Brady into our faith family. Our vision is that we create a sticky faith in our kids so that when they graduate and leave, they don't leave their faith behind. Allison, Patrick, we know that you are the most important influence in the lives of your children for Reese and for Brady, but we also know that as parents, we are not the only influence that our children need. So we are overjoyed to partner with you on this journey of faith. We wanna give you a Bible that you can read to Brady and that he will soon be reading for himself and a certificate to commemorate this special day. Thank you. Congratulations. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you love us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have reached out to claim this little boy. We're thankful, Lord, that your love for us is eternal. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you will bless, bless this whole family, that they may know through your grace that they are a part of the family of God. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So this is so great. A few of my kids said, that's our principal. That's our principal, Miss Stewart. So... <laughs> This is so cool because our lesson today up in kids' worship all has to do about building a solid foundation. Jesus teaches us in this parable that if you're going to be wise, you'd be like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. Well, that's what they're doing. They're starting this foundation for their family by having their son baptized. You know what Jesus said also? If you're like a foolish man, you're building your house on sand. Well, guess what? The storms come up, and I know you can imagine what might happen to the house that was built on sand. We're going to practice it up in kids' worship, and you're going to see what happens. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, you have the word for abundant life. You have the word for eternal life. Help us to not only hear that word, but to do that word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are uh, continuing in our sermon series called The Love Languages of God and looking particularly at the Apostles' Creed, which we recite every Sunday. And we today are in the second clause of that creed, 
the second half of the first sentence, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And to reflect upon this part of the creed, we're going to take a look at three passages of scripture in both the Old and New Testaments, the first from the book of Genesis, chapter one, verses one through five. Hear the word of God. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Our second lesson is from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, verses one through five. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. And what has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And then from Revelation chapter 21, again, verses one through five. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the home of God is among mortals and he will dwell with them as their God and they will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the former things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Let all things now living rejoice and give you praise, O God, for you are the creator, you are the redeemer, and you are the sustainer of all life. Allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. We pray this in his name, amen. I have been through many phases in my life, as have we all. And one of the phases I went through was a bread-making phase. I had gotten the idea into my head that one of the nicest gifts to give a person is a freshly baked loaf of bread. I remember the times when I had received such a gift myself, a cloth covered, still warm from the oven, loaf of bread that when you cut it, steam rose with that fresh baked dough scent awaiting a slice of butter that would melt even before you could get it to your mouth. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I've now lost you completely to your appetites. 
So I decided to teach myself how to make bread. I got out an old Betty Crocker cookbook and found a whole grain bread recipe and went to work. I measured, I yeasted, I kneaded, I waited patiently for the dough to rise. And when that first loaf came out of the oven, I was so proud and so happy. And I took it immediately to the home of some friends and the great joy of seeing the smiles on their faces when they opened that bag and turned back the cloth and smelled that fresh bread smell was even better than I could have ever imagined. There is nothing better than giving away something handmade, homemade. It is the gift of time that we give, the gift of thought, the gift of concern that we give when we do that. Now, the truth is that though I had tried a loaf or two myself, as did my family, I was somewhat blind and senseless to the fact, and my family were too kind to tell me, that these loaves of bread that I was baking were really not that good. <laughs> truth is, they were as hard as rocks. <laughs> Dental work was being damaged on these things. But I wasn't allowing myself to believe that, so around the town and congregation I was prancing, dispensing these freshly baked loaves of bread that I did not know people were using as doorstops. Reality <laughs> finally came crashing in on me when I had delivered one of these fresh baked loaves of bread to an older couple in the church, and about a week later they pulled up to our house, and out of the car they got out with a nicely wrapped gift. How nice, I thought, they're returning the favor. So I opened up the gift, and it was a bread-making machine. <laughs> I took the not-so-subtle hint and realized that bread-making was probably not one of my spiritual gifts. But I will not forget how those early bread days felt, the time the energy, the care that went into creating a creation that I would in turn give as an offering, and the joy of seeing those smiles and hearing those ahs as the cloth was pulled back and fragrance filled the room. There is nothing that stirs deep within one's soul as much as the creative moment, the creative process. We literally put ourselves, don't we, into our creations. You remember the story of the parents standing outside the nursery school waiting to pick up their children on the last day before Christmas vacation, and when the time came, the door flew open, and the children came running out to their parents to give them the little Christmas gift that they had been working on for the last several weeks. One boy who was running, trying to put on his coat and hold his gift all at the same time, tripped and fell, and from his hands flew his gift onto the floor with an obvious ceramic crash. At first, the boy looked with stunned silence, and then he let forth with an inconsolable wail. The father ran to him, thinking to help, said, oh, that's all right, son, that's all right, it doesn't matter. And the mother pushes him aside and says, oh, oh, no, no, it does matter. It matters a great deal. There is something etched into our DNA, isn't there, when it comes to the creative process. It matters our creating. We are perhaps most in touch with ourselves when we are in touch with the creative side of our souls. It's one of the deep joys of life when we give and when we receive the fruits of creation. I, I suspect this congregation represents hundreds of refrigerators upon which are hanging the priceless treasures of children and grandchildren. Refrigerator art, we call it. Every child produces it, and any decent parent and grandparent treasures it because these pieces of creativity are far more valuable than you would find in anything hanging in the Ringling Museum. Why? Why do we make such a big deal over these things? Because we know it matters. It matters a great deal, the creative spark that lies deep within our souls. Isn't it why we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, maker, creator, 
We are pointing, aren't we, to something we believe to be so profoundly true that this existence of ours is a creative existence, that it began with the Creator and it continues with the Creator. The universe is a created and a creating universe. God is a maker. It is who God is. God is a maker. He is a creator. I believe in God the Father Almighty, we say, maker of heaven and earth. We don't say, who once made heaven and earth. We say maker of heaven and earth because God's still in the business. We are not making just some philosophical claim that God was there at the beginning, that he was merely the one who lit the fuse for the Big Bang and then sat down and watched Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> we say that God is a maker. It's who God is. You can't stop God from making, from creating. Yes, he rested on the seventh day, but on that eighth day, you can imagine he was up at six thinking, what's next? What's next? God isn't done. If we have the faith to call him in the creed maker, how foolish of us to think that all of a sudden God ran out of good ideas when the sun went down on the sixth day. Annie Dillard, in a book that I've quoted to you before, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, reminds us that of all the known forms of life that have ever existed, scientists guess that only 10% are still living today. Only 10%. As full as the world seems to be, now we have in this moment only a fraction of what God has been up to. Multiplying 10 times, Dillard writes, the number of living forms today yields a profusion that is quite beyond what I consider thinkable. Why so many forms, she asks. Why not, did God not just stop at the first hydrogen atom? No, she says, the creator goes off on wild, one wild specific tangent after another, millions simultaneously with an exuberance that would seem unwarranted and with an abandoned energy sprung from an unfathomable font. What is going on here, she asks. She answers by saying, the creator loves pizzazz. <laughs> so aren't we saying when we say that we believe in the maker, are we saying that, it's, that at the very beginning and at the center of our existence, there is this creative force, this, this three-person artist, this atomic explosion of paint and clay that wishes to envelop us and make us into creators ourselves? Henri Bergson, the French Nobel philosopher, said that in creation, God undertook to create creators. This is the image of God that's planted in us. This is where we find our deepest joy when we are about the act of creating, when we are most in touch with the Creator, when we join the Creator in His creating. This is when the soul most stirs. Donald Fry was an engineer back in the early 1960s. He worked for the Ford Motor Company designing cars. It was a good living, designing the new models. He was ensconced in the day-to-day, -day, back and forth to Dearborn, using his slide rule and pumping out cars like the Edsel and the Ford Falcon. Then came in the moment of truth. The moment of truth, when one night at dinner with his family, his kids turned to him and said, Dad, your cars stink. <laughs> Always good to hear that from your kids. What do you mean, he asked. I don't know, they said. There's just no pizzazz. Donald Fry, who died four years ago, was fond of telling people that that was the first day of the creation of the Ford Mustang, one of the great innovations in automotive history, what we call today a classic. There's just no pizzazz, they said. Do you see what we get invited to when we say that God is maker? We get invited into the pizzazz. 
We get invited into the creative spirit of God who is still up to something. Like that taxi driver who picked up a guy from National Airport in Washington, D.C., a, a tourist from overseas who wanted to be driven around the town before he went to his hotel. So they traveled around and saw all the monuments and all the museums and government buildings. And then he took and finally passed the National Archives. And when they drove by, the, the tourists could see etched into the stone the words, the past is prologue. And the tourist, not knowing English very well, asked the driver what that meant. The driver said, well, I'm not sure. I think it means you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Behold, God says, I make all things new. I'm looking for some pizzazz, not just from within God's self, but from us the created creators. This is the love language of God, that God doesn't just create lumps of clay, unresponsive lumps of clay, but God forms us from the dust of the earth and breathes life into us, makes us come alive, animates us. This is the great joy of God, but even the greater joy of God is when the animated ones, when the created ones start creating themselves, taking the substance of the universe and making something out of it. You remember, don't you, Jesus' great story about the three servants who, who get the different shares of talents to be responsible for while the master is gone and, and the five-talent servant takes his talents and invests them and makes five talents more and, and the two-talent servant gets his two talents and invests them and makes two talents more and the one-talent servant just lets his one talent sit there. Just lets it sit there. Buries it even. Protects it. Hides it. And the master comes back and says, what did you do with the talent? That's the maker's question. It will always be the maker's question. What did you do with the talent? What did you do with the stuff I gave you? And the servant says, well, you know, I was afraid. I held back. I, I had the lump of clay, but I didn't put my fingers into it. I had my canvas, but I left it blank. I had my 401k, but I kept it for a rainy day. I had 24 hours in the day, and I spent a lot of it in front of TV and on the golf course and out to lunch. I had so much, but I didn't breathe life into it. I didn't invest. I didn't take the risk. I didn't make anything. And the master says, did you know that I'm the maker? Didn't you know that I love pizzazz? Didn't you know that I breathe life into you? Didn't you know that, that letting it sit there wasn't one of the options? Didn't you know that the greatest joy of life comes when you've taken what I've given you and you're making something out of it? Something that speaks love, something that reveals beauty, something that shows the world you care, something that points to the maker of heaven and earth. It doesn't matter that your bread might taste like a rock. The point is you tried. The point is you tried. You see, only you and God, only you and God know what your talent account is. Only you and God. Only you and God know when it's what's possible for you to do tomorrow or next week or the coming year. Only you and God know that. Only you and God know what you could do to make a difference. Only you and God know what gifts you have to share, what time you have to offer, what skills you have to employ, what money you have to give. Only you and God know that. And God knows God knows there is still beauty to be shared. There are still poor to be fed. God knows that there is a creation yet to be cared for and nurtured. God knows there is peace yet to be made. God knows there are little minds yet to be formed. God knows this. The master knows this. It's why he is still making. And what the master also knows, what the master also knows, is the joy to be found when with him 
we make some pizzazz. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.